Welcome to NFL Only Better after what was a hugely dramatic Super Wildcard Weekend. And we're going to get the lads' opinions on all the big topics. Yes, we're going to talk about Dallas. Then we're going to look ahead, of course, to one of the biggest weekends of the NFL where the top seeds join the playoffs. Now we're going to find out just exactly who is, well, not the best team yet, but we're getting there. I'm joined, as usual, by my crew. It's Mike Carlson. Hey, how are you doing? Well, doing Good great, to be Mike. part of the crew. Is yeah, this a yeah. grand? Is this a grand crew? <laughs> I hope we're better than some of the crews we saw officiating the games last weekend. That's oh, <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, and John Bath is here. Yes, John is Yes, here. good morning. Hello. You know what I'm going to do, guys? Before we start with Anton, I'm going to crack into the last week's best bets because sometimes we're talking and suddenly I'm like, I haven't given the results. Um, I prefer oh, if you didn't this week, oh, maybe. John, John, John. <laughs> uh, let's go through it. And let's include my Betfair column on Friday as well. well no, I don't look at that. Uh, which, cer- yeah. which certainly did, didn't do badly either. Uh, Mike, you went for under 49 points in the... It was the Bengals game, wasn't it? Bengals in Vegas, in Vegas yes. And it duly came in. It did indeed. John, John, you went for under the KC game. Unfortunately, that was uh, not a winner. Uh, yeah, that wasn't. And I went, I put my trust, trust, T-H-R-U-S-T, <laughs> into Tom Brady, minus eight and a half <laughs> points. And that was definitely a winner. Although I must say, uh, I think anyone who got involved, and I do know a couple of people who got involved uh, in play with a lot of the matches this weekend, because as you will have seen, actually, five of the six favorites won, and they all covered their spread from the original game. The only team that would have let you down was Dallas. Um, you know, a lot of people actually got involved during the games, Minus 16 and a half points was the spread at halftime in the Tampa game. If you got involved in that, the Eagles scoring two touchdowns, garbage touchdowns at the end would have got you. Um, I know a lot of people got involved with the Patriots, obviously thinking that they wouldn't lose by so much because there were 24 points was the spread in that game. Obviously, they ended up getting a bit of a hammering. Dallas were very popular in play with people thinking they would come back with San Fran, who just stopped playing in the second half. So for once, I suppose the in-play value went towards the dogs more than if you if you went any other way but this is how it falls sometimes gents hey yeah i I had that tampa as the best bet in the column um well you would i i I tipped it up so you obviously yeah also gronk gronk to have a touchdown which was 13 to 10 and uh over which was i think 45 5 and they hit 46 so that was not that was not bad. I mean, you know, so I put some of those in just as as sort of nudges, you know, like the way I'm I'm looking, but not as uh, as bets. But but also I had the outside bet in that was San Francisco on the money line, which was thirteen to ten, and I'm, I was pleased with that one. Oh, I bet you are. I bet <laughs> you are. Uh, okay, look, we're going to talk about the games. We got to talk about the big, well, the, the big one, the big one, which was, of course, Dallas, San Fran. A lot of the games should be called. Look, the, the big Bengals, one? the big, the Bengals. <laughs> obviously, now that's been done to death about the the whistle. We've all been told that we, the whistle that we heard, uh, wasn't was actually, a whistle. It was somehow <laughs> delayed through television and the stadium. In fact, everywhere in the world, it was delayed, bar on the field where it actually went after the play had been. Called. Yeah, that's not how that works. But yeah, no, it was moved <laughs> that's, that's not how this, audio this, sensory. That's how time and speed works, John. You don't understand. You're not, you don't understand well, science. Walt, Walt, Walt Anderson, who released the statement, I doubt he wrote it. <laughs> but but um, he's now auditioning for a spot on the on the uh, Warren Commission. <laughs> to just, the magic whistle. Yeah, the magic <laughs> whistle. Yeah. it's funny because we had six games right three of them were blowouts um two of those blowouts were absolutely predictable um and two and a half of the games went on refereeing decisions i mean two of them were referee dominated games not not that it it not that it decided the game but that they were there were big controversies in both the um the dallas and the cincinnati games but also arizona and and the rams there was that play where AJ Green caught the ball on the sidelines and turned upfield and got hit. And they decided originally after it took about 15 minutes of consultation to decide he had, it was a catch and fumble, which was in my mind, the right call. And then Sean McVay, <laughs> just to be obstinate through the, through the challenge flag and they reversed it um, on, on review. And, you know, I've, I've been reading the rule. I was, you know, and all it takes is a turn to be what, what, what people call a football move, although uh, in the in the book it's called an action common to the game because football move would be too um, 
but that's two and a half games where there were, you know, excruciating referee decisions. Mm. The, the routes I understand when you expand to seven teams, it's not that you're letting bad teams in the playoffs because there's always at least one team in the playoffs that sneaks in at seven and nine or eight and eight or whatever back in the day. But what you're doing by taking away the, the buy to the second team is you're creating a mismatch, which is the number two seed against the number seven seed. You know, three against six is not necessarily a mismatch, but two against seven is almost guaranteed to be one. Yeah, and I think we saw that with some te- that the Eagles really were were dreadful at times. And I think they were yeah. quite lucky that Tampa well, really the, stopped playing. The team that got blown out the most was New England, and I don't think any of us really saw that coming. No, that's that's no, the one that was that a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, with the Dallas game, we, we we will quick touch on. There was a lot of things in this. Uh, I think we could talk about. There was obviously um, the the fact that the sun access at times stopped yeah. Dallas from proceeding up the fields. Uh, there was the time that I read the, some very interesting through. conspiracy theories about about the sun. The, the sun hates well, Dallas. But Tell me more. <laughs> well, now according to the internet, Kieran, uh, Jerry <laughs> Jones had that stadium built at the you know the opposite angle to most other NFL stadiums. Right. Apparently, correct. Yeah, photographs better. So who knows oh. if that's true or not? Uh, the punter obviously hit the thing. The 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 Jerry screen. And yeah. then there was the the well, there was yeah. San Francisco not realizing it was a fake punt when the whole world and its mother knew it was a fake punt. <laughs> they knew it was a fake. Oh no, sorry. They they said they knew. Uh, somebody said they knew, but a guy missed his assignment. Which well, if you watch, if you watch the rest of the team, nobody knew. Yeah, it was the same thing then, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Tony Romo's I, like they're not punting here. <laughs> I think there ought to be a rule in 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 the Jerry Dome that if if the Cowboys hit the screen, the ball goes back to a specific spot on the field where the screen is. And if the other team hits the screen, it's hmm. duo. <laughs> but it's Jerry's screen. They ought to pay the price. You know, yeah. you know what's <laughs> funny though, Mike, as well, you, you mentioned that the games were slightly, you know, they were slightly poor. It was like Sky and, and in turn a little bit, not so much Romo and Nance, but definitely Sky, like Neil, and I know Neil's a friend of yours. They were trying to trick us into believing that San Francisco Dallas Cowboys just because it was close was a good game they were oh they can play every week if they give us drama like this and you're like oh god if I had to watch this game every week this is bad <laughs> a, football yeah I mean that's part of the company line um you you have to believe you know um and I mean you want to keep your audience watching anyway but but you know, the whole process is it becomes excruciating um and there's no other game to turn <laughs> turn yeah. to honestly. I, I thought in fairness the first the first quarter of that game um was absolutely brilliant that the the Niners on their first drive you know what was perfection in football um, you know it, every everything was working but but they couldn't sustain it and Jimmy in in Jimmy G in the fourth quarter had a, had a kind of mini meltdown um, and then you had the whole business of the quarterbacks of, of Debo and the court, you know, um, and the, and the false start on the quarterback sneak, which was sort of a false start. Sure. But, um, he wasn't set, but he was set in the sense that he was in his three point stance, but he hadn't been there long enough, but they had just called a similar penalty on Dallas on the series before. So they sort of had to, had to call that, but I put that down to the quarterback because he's got to wait till everybody's set before he snaps the ball. You know, it's up to him to make sure that his motion man is stopped. Um, and when you're putting a 350-pound tackle in motion. Yeah. Well, then obviously, look, the, the easiest one, the one to really discuss is the last, is how the game ended. Uh, now, that is huge drama. It, do, it doesn't forget the fact that the game was poor. And I, I think if San Francisco play like that this weekend, they're going to get hiding, big mm-hmm. hiding. But John, what did you? <laughs> I mean, what did you think of the play of calling a quarterback draw with so many, you know, the clock ticking down and you've no yeah, timeouts? I and- mean, yeah, it didn't. It was a strange one. Like, I mean, it's hard to know where to put the blame. There is it, is it the play call in the first place, or is it the fact that Dak didn't, you know, fall down five yards sooner? But at the same time, what's the difference between that and then just they had they've been throwing those good you know routes to the sidelines and just getting out of bounds. They've done about three or four of those in a row of memory serves. So why not just do one more, get yourself as close as you need to to the end zone, and then throw you know what would have not, not, not even been a hail mary. It just not been, at that stage. Yeah, yeah no, it would have been. been. I guess like where were they? Like the forty yard line down to the like twenty. That? They went from the forty one to the twenty four. Yeah, they so were. Like, yeah, they were almost they were, in the red zone. Close, it, so. it did what they wanted. Um, and the but Niners it, had finally realized that they should be defending the sidelines. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're absolutely right. They threw three straight passes to the sidelines that moved them upfield really quickly because they were all yeah. quick passes and stopped the clock each time. And then all of a sudden the Niners said, oh, yeah, Romo was great. I got to say that Romo was in top form um, in this game. But I think it's it's the execution, not so much of the play, because when you think it through, mm-hmm. that play worked. And it has the advantage of not sending the receivers out on routes so that theoretically everybody should be there closer to the ball, closer to the ball. When you, when you spike it, the problem is execution. And, you know, Dallas did not look like a team that had practiced this stuff. Mm -hmm. Was the biggest mistake just Dak not giving the ball to the, to the officials straight away as soon as the, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the, that's the first thing you do. You come down, you find the nearest official, you throw the ball because you know, or you should know that the referee, the umpire is the guy who does it, but he's got to spot the ball. He looks to the sideline to spot the ball where the, where it's been marked uh, down and then make sure the defense is, you know, is set Mm -hmm. in this case, basically on sides because you're not substituting. So he doesn't have to allow as he did on on the fake punt thing. He doesn't have to allow time for the defense to, to substitute in. Um, And one thing everybody missed on that first play on the fake punt was that Dallas got an extra 14 seconds or so, because they, they reached, they changed the ball when Dallas decided they weren't, but they, they changed the ball and they reset the clock to 25 from 14. So they, they actually they actually wasted extra time uh, that they didn't have to waste. So I didn't mind that. And I think what they were thinking was rather than go to the sidelines and maybe not gain any yards because San Francisco now was trying to cut off the sideline and rather than try to say two long passes, um, probably Hail Mary or Hail Mary-ish, mm-hmm. they were going to get themselves down where they could run a relatively normal play or a goal line play that they had, you know, they had in in uh, maybe that flea flicker. They ran two flea flickers during that yeah. game. One worked, and the other one would have worked if um, uh, whoever it was who was throwing the ball, um, you know, could throw it. Um, so you know, something <laughs> that like is that is crucial to the game. Yeah, yeah, something like that was what I was what I was thinking at the time. But it was just execution. And to yeah. be honest, Dak said that he got the snap off before zero, which he didn't do. But normally what the officials do is the clock hits zero. Then they look to see if the ball snapped. And if the ball snapped while they're looking, you know, before they get the, you usually get that extra second. They didn't give him the extra second in this. Yeah, it's an interesting one there. You're right, Mike. I I assumed that they would give him the extra second or at least look at it. They basically had a little powwow and decided the game's over, Um, which is wrong in my opinion in that for the sake of the game, by the looks of it, he you you could say he almost got the ball off. So I would have given them one second and given them a shot. The only person who would disagree with that are San Francisco fans. Every other person Not watching necessarily. the game I would mean, like to see it. Yeah, because because the thing that this is one of the things that kills me about the NFL is that you have rules and then you have rules the way that they're normally interpreted. And then when but when you go back and, and interpret it by the rule, then you're wrong. And that's it's a, it's a position the league should not be in. You know, you, the rule is the rule, and you should be giving teams a break on the rule all season, only not to do it um, well, uh, when I it counts. Here's what I think. I will go move on because I know people listening want to hear what we think about the games coming up. Sometimes the NFL uses the rules to make the games more exciting, right? That's just the game is meant to be exciting. People want to be entertained. Whether that's against the rules of sport, who knows? If you want to look at who uh, do other uh, do other sports do that. Formula One basically hired a race director to make it more exciting for their Netflix show. And then look what happened at the end of their season. Sometimes sport and entertainment, that can clash. I think Dallas should have been given one more second on the clock. But hey, uh, I also think it was a bad call, despite what you say. It was ran well. I think I'm not going to blame Dak. I don't know if we're blaming Dak, but that's a lot to put on a QB after three hours of football for him to count the seconds in his head, slide, throw the ball to the That's team, make sure job. everyone's set up. No, mm-hmm. I can't I agree with you. Right. That's his job. Yeah. yeah. Like, what, what, what sort of what, contract is he who on? Are the best, yeah. Who are the best? Who are the best QBs in the league right now? Rogers, Brady, Mayfield. Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burrow. Would any of them, would, would they have called that to any of those three people? Would Burrow... Brady, well, Brady couldn't do it, probably. Would Brady Burrow or Rodgers be asked to do that uh, quarterback run for that call? Their coordinators like- would. I don't think their coordinators would. If, yeah. But if Rodgers were asked to do it, I would have no 
I have, would have no doubt that he would do it, um, get up and give the ball to the referee and have everything done mm-hmm. in time. Um, no, no okay. question. But like I said, it looked to me like it was a play they hadn't practiced because everybody should know what you have to do at the end of the play. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Did you anyway. see? Did you see Stephen A. Smith and Michael Irvin on whatever stupid show they they do? We did you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah I did see that. They ran that. They ran this this sad music montage yeah. of, of cowboy fans crying, and Michael Irvin <laughs> at the end says, "Oh, you know that that made me cry too." And Stephen A. Smith just explodes. And, that was great. It was the best thing I've ever seen. Let's run it again. So they ran it again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, here's where we stand. Super Bowl winner, guys. Uh, Green Bay Packers are ten to three. Kansas City Chiefs now seven to two. Second favorites. The Buffalo Bills are out to nine to two. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are out to eleven to two. The LA Rams are thirteen to two. The Titans, number one seed in the AFC, by the way, are eight to one. San Francisco 49ers ten to one, and the Bengals are outsiders of fourteens. The conference winner AFC KC six to four. Bills two to one. Titans three to one. Bengals eleven to two. Packers 11 to 8, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2 to 1, 3 to 1 the Rams, San Francisco 49ers 6 to 1. Can I tell the listeners, if you want to get involved in anyone at a decent price for the Super Bowl or possibly AFC or NFC, if you fancy one of the outsiders, this is your last chance to really get involved in the team that you think is going to go far at what I would call a decent shot. Because next week, there's only going to be four teams left in it and the top two will probably be short enough, let's be honest, because they'll have home field advantage. And they would be the likely Super Bowl. So 10 to 3, the field for the Super Bowl right now on the Betfair Sports Book with eight teams left. If you are getting involved in and you want to bet for the Super Bowl for the next two weeks, this is probably the time to do it, to be honest. So we will move on to the games. Uh, lads, we start with, since I should mention who we're talking about, it's Bengals at Titans, it's 49ers at Packers, it's Rams at Bucks, and it's Bills at Chiefs. Can't remember if I did that at the start already because I'm still so angry about how we are treating poor Elton Prescott, especially when I don't like <laughs> I don't like Mike McCarthy. But anyway, Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. It's 8-5, to five, the Bengals. The Titans are 1-2. to two. Three and a half points is the spread. 47 is the over-under. Um... Tennessee Titans look obviously number one seeds, uh, but nobody's really talking about them for the Super Bowl this year, are they, Mike? No, um, you know, and and it's funny because they've they've basically um, gone under the radar all season, and I think Mike Vrabel's done a really good job of of coaching. Um, they're they're not a spectacular team. You can argue in some cases they played a relatively easy schedule, um, but they play they play smart situational football, and that that can get you a long way in a league where a lot of teams don't really know how to play smart situational football. They get Derrick Henry back, which obviously has to be a plus because the defenses have to allow you know adjust for Derrick Henry. But they've done pretty well without him by spreading everything around. And they've got when AJ Brown is is healthy, which he will be, um, they've got a good group of receivers that Tannehill can take advantage of with with play action. So you know the, I think the worst thing they could do probably is come out and try to run Derrick Henry twenty five times. You know the the normal formula and wait for him to break one or two big runs each game. But but if they play the way they they should, I think they I think they they come out with a lead and then they can start running Derrick Henry as well as Devonta Freeman and the other, the other guys um, to, to control the game as, as it were Um, their big problem, obviously is, is the three receivers uh, from Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, but pass rush can get to them. Um, They're not a huge, usually great pass rushing team, but Jeffrey Simmons inside demands a lot of, a lot of attention and you know, I, I just see that I just see the Titans taking this, and then being a, a sort of difficult team for for whoever wins the Buffalo Kansas City game, which is which is obviously the glamour game of the weekend, and and um, which is why it's on on Sunday night. Um, they're kind of like Pittsburgh, except that Tannehill can move where Ben Roethlisberger can't, and he can throw more than one long pass a game where Ben couldn't. You know, um, they're but they're that kind of a team. They make you play their game. Hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm, we didn't mention the John, take it up with the Bengals there because obviously Joe Burrow has come through. They've won their first playoff game in well, since, since I was basically born really. 
Um, you <laughs> Shut up, John. Uh, the, um, and, and to be honest, they never looked in trouble against the Raiders. Now, the Raiders got back into it, and you know, the, the, the final score was a, was a touchdown difference. Mm-hmm. But the Bengals looked in control for most of that game. They did. They did. Uh, I mean, we were talking about the, you know, the, the weak pl- nature of the playoffs this year. The Raiders would have been one of those teams along with, you know, Philly and maybe one or two others that, you know, were the beneficiaries of the, the extra spot, I suppose. So oh, Patriots, but- Patriots, Mike, they were a beneficiary, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, I mean, yeah, not oh, of, no, not I've of, them off. <laughs> no, you're right. No, <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with you, but not not of the. Um... Not of the uh, new format, but they were the beneficiary of the fact that there just aren't any spectacularly good teams this year. In the you know, um, there's, there's there's no one who who really stands out. The Chiefs, obviously, we keep saying, you know, are, are the, we've been saying almost all season are the best team, um, and the Bills are in really good form. But but both of them have only gotten into good form late in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, the actually the Chiefs are on a 10 and 1 run, I think it is, and the, the Bills are on a 5 and 0 run, you know. So they both come good at the right time. Okay. That was our update from Foxborough, John. <laughs> <laughs> but what was the question again? Cincinnati? Yeah, you're just <laughs> you're so talking, lucky you're talking Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah, basically that's that's the where where else do you start when you're talking about this Bengals team? Um yeah, I think certainly i mean we've we've kind of harped on about this the last you know two or three shows i reckon since like it, it really does seem that um joe burrow I've, i i know i know i've definitely said this as well but he's really starting to play like that number one pick you know deep into his second season now this is he's he's following that progression of, of where kind of a top tier quarterback is, is expected to go and yeah it's the Cincinnati team kind of reminds me, I know I'm a homer for this and stuff, but like they kind of remind me of the Browns making their playoff run last year. So this is, like you said, Kieran, I think this, it was their first playoff win in 30 years, 31 years or something like this. The Browns had a similar thing last year, but they eventually became unstuck um, by the Chiefs when they kind of just met like a really, really good team. Um, and, you know, they were the, the top seed at the time last year. And like, that's what they're facing in Tennessee this year. Uh, I, I just kind of think this is going to be, this is a little too much for them at this stage, you know, with the, the bright lights, this end of the season, I think this, I don't think Cincinnati are properly equipped aside from their outstanding kind of offensive weapons and, and the, the, the things that Joe Burrow has, you know, there's, I think Tennessee will be too much. Like Mike had said that the, the fact that Derrick Henry is back is a big thing, but they went six, three without him. And, you know, they're seven and two at home this season and they're rested. So it, like, I just think it's stacked against Cincinnati uh, this week, but you know, they can be very, very, you know, satisfied with the season up to this point. Do Sorry, do either of you then, uh, this is a close one, it's three and a half. Are, are you all taking the Titans minus three and a half or would any of you think, well, I, I would expect the Bengals to keep it close? Well, three and a half is close, so. Yeah. But then you where know. are you taking the Bengals? <laughs> um, no, I, I, would still take, <laughs> I would still take the Titans. I don't, yeah. yeah, so uh, would okay. I. Titans. Yeah. Okay. Um, the late game at 1.15 on Saturday night, if you're staying up, and why wouldn't you? I stayed up all weekend. I'm absolutely fine. I haven't had a terrible week where I've been cranky with people. It's San Francisco 49ers 2-1. Oh, you've had a normal week then. (laughs) I'm a lovely person. Ask anyone. The Green Bay Packers are 2-5. It's the biggest spread this game. Uh, Six points at the moment. 47.5 is the over-under. Yeah, I, I think it's the biggest spread for a lot of the reasons that we said the second half performance mike i go to you first because you're ready to say something but the second half performance in san francisco will be deeply worrying for anyone what yeah I, I think i think that's very true and you know as good as jimmy g looked in in the first half he he looked less convincing in the second he um, looked like every time he threw the ball it wasn't going to go where it was supposed to in the <laughs> yeah. second half <laughs> yeah and i mean he's there basically to execute not to create you know if you know what i mean he's there to pick out the right receiver know where the ball is supposed to go and, and get it there and he's very good at that but when when he then has to start creating start throwing downfield, he becomes less effective. Um, I, I, I think Nick Bosa's availability is a crucial thing in this game. And I should have said this about the Cincinnati game because Trey Hendrickson uh, went out in the Cincinnati game yeah. as well as Ogan Joby as well. So that's, a yeah, game. as well as the rest of <laughs> most yeah. of the rest of their front. Um, so I would, that was one, one thing I would look at, you know, if Hendrickson's not there, they lose a lot of pass rush and that's going to make it, you know, easier for, for Tennessee. If Ogan Joby's not there, it's going to make it easier for them to run. So, you know, just more, more ammunition for sort of like taking the Titans, I think in, in that one. 
Um, if Nick Bosa is not there, Green Bay is going to be a different situation, I think, um, to Dallas in terms of, of pass rush, uh, simply because Aaron Rodgers is so good at getting rid of the ball. Um, he makes that offensive line look better. And Bakhtiari's back and playing, who's, you know, when he's, when he's good, he's one of the best left tackles in the league. So, mm. you know, he's only back for the second, second week. I don't know how exactly how good he is, but he's been rested. He, and he, sh- he should be ready. Um, so I think there's a lot to think the Packers can take this by a touchdown. Um, Jair Anderson is back. Uh, Alexander is back again uh, for them in the secondary, which helps because, you know, what you have to stop is Debo mm-hmm. and Ayuk and Kittle on those mm-hmm. crossing routes, back you know. as well too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I think things stack up in green, in green Bay's favor here. Um, although San Francisco, you know, I had them last week. They're, they're an underrated an underrated team, but I think that's more down to consistency than anything else and injury. Mm. Um, if Fred Warner's not playing, that's a huge blow for them. Um, in, and, um, you know, if Bosa and Fred Warner are both not playing, I'm, I wouldn't have any hesitation taking the Packers. Okay. Uh, and I suppose it's, it's, it's probably Jimmy G's last game for San Francisco. I, I, John, I, I think they've, they, their intention was clear when they brought in Trey Lance. It's it's probably been a distraction more than anything, and I think that distraction will end in the off season. Yeah, there's been a lot of speculation as to what quarterbacks might be available, kind of on the on the quarterback market this off season. It seems like uh, Garoppolo is probably the only nailed on one that'll be available for any team who's looking for you know a, a pretty decent, handsome, con- yeah, handsome consistent <laughs> starter. <laughs> But it, just on, on this game, Rogers may be available. Of course, he said he no, I mean, there's, there's a few that are linked. There's Rogers potentially. There's Russell Wilson potentially. Who knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, or if he'll play, or who he'll play for, or when he'll play. So, I mean, the long, the longest yard. Yeah, we'll see, we'll <laughs> yes, see yes, highly likely. Yeah. On this, on this particular game, like I mean, you know, both of you know that I picked Green Bay to win the Super Bowl back in our in our. Um, Oh, you haven't mentioned it for like six or eight shows. Pre- no. <laughs> yeah, in, in our preseason show, but obviously there's no reason to change here. But on this game, actually, you also remember that like last week, I think I picked the 49ers as my dark horse. So we'll see. This this game will be quite telling. Um, if you remember when they, I don't remember what the score was when, when these teams played earlier in the season, but I do remember that 49ers were doing pretty damn well. Until 30, 30 Aaron, to 28. Yeah, until Aaron Rodgers won it, essentially with one of the last plays of the game. That's just kind of a very Aaron Rodgers thing to do. Um, but you know, this playing at Lambeau this time of year is a different thing entirely. And, you know, when you just add the pressure of being a playoff game to a season playoff team like Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be a much bigger ask. Um, but I think if I'm just going towards the pick on this one, uh, I, this could well be one of those John Balf trademark weather games. So I think, you know, just, just this time of year, but I, I'm not, I don't actually even, I haven't even looked at the weather forecast for this one, but we know about Lambo in, in late January. If, if I'm the undertaker, John's yeah, the, weather, the weatherman. Well, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be both this time around. I was gonna go with the under in this one, so <laughs> the weatherman goes under. <laughs> I, I assume it'll be a beautiful day in January at the Packers. Like <laughs> warm, bring well, a t-shirt. Uh, according to um, what is that Saturday? According to Saturday to BBC weather, it's going to be cloudy and 21 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, you're gonna need. You're gonna need. But it's at night. But it's at night. So it uh, the low temperature is six degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. That's gonna um, be a chilly one, which is pretty cold. Yeah. And another just factor to um, just to sign off on on Green Bay. But this season, uh, they're, they're they went five and one against teams who kind of eventually went to the playoffs. And the one game that they lost was the one that Aaron Rodgers didn't play in. So I mean, everything is just stacked up against San Francisco. Oh, that's just an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's minus 14 Celsius, six degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be. That's so gonna it's going to be a little warmer than that, probably, because that's probably the 3 a.m. temperature. But, um, <clears throat> you know, for the second week in a row, the Saturday night game <clears throat> is is scheduled for the northernmost city with an outdoor stadium. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, like, look, they're fun. I mean, it was quite fun watching. I, I watched the, the, the Bills Patriots game live. You know, um, it was fun. Like, they, 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 I know. That's why you I see that moment practice. where Mac Jones is looking at his, looking his hand? At this, no, yeah. his, his breath. He's watching. So McDaniels is talking to him and then he's watching his breath coming out. <laughs> he then Just was looking like... at his hand as well at the same time. But yeah, he was watching his breath. McDaniels there with a screen. 
Pay attention, Mac. We're, we're getting hammered. Uh, to Sunday, uh, different different times here, people. Uh, so just do take note. Uh, no six o'clock game, eight o'clock, and no half nine game, half eleven. Um, so there you go. Adjust your clocks accordingly. Los Angeles Rams take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers five to four. About the Rams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are thirteen to twenty. It's a three point spread, and it is forty eight. The over under. Anyone a little surprised at that spread is so kind to the Rams? Not really, because the one thing that stands out in this game is, is that the weakness of the Tampa defense is their secondary. And if Odell Beckham plays anywhere near like he did last week, then they can threaten that secondary. Now there's other, there's other questions. I mean, the, the Ram, the, the strength of Tampa is that they will, um, they mostly pass rush with four and they get good results from that, from that front four. They've got their two linebackers that normally start are, are really active, David and, and white. Um, you know, they can cover a lot of the field. They can cut off those swing passes out of the backfield, which is what they did in the Super Bowl um, last year. And um, um, what's his name? Um, Wood. Um, oh, the strong safety. He plays up as a linebacker most of the time and he's he's just tremendous at at, at tackling so you know I, I i i think they've pretty much that that's why the the what that's why it's so close um it's influenced probably a bit by the rams doing so well against arizona who who more or less melted down but the most interesting yeah. thing about this game is that tom brady is older than all three of the coaches that in who are left in the nfc playoffs <laughs> <laughs> which, which I just find eminently fascinating for as an old guy, I suppose, you know. John, what did you think when you saw Odell Beckham Jr.'s performance on uh, late Sunday night? Monday night, sorry. Well, I mean, that's he never he was never not a talented player, you know. It just it's... maybe Baker's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he is. Like maybe he is. Ow! <laughs> but uh yeah, I think this. This Rams, the Rams team is just set up differently to where um, OBJ came from. You know, it's he's, he's he's it's strange that the Browns never really used him so much as a red zone threat like that, and uh, like the Rams are doing at the moment. And he's just he's he's thriving in that role at the moment. I think he's got six touchdowns or something since he showed up in in LA, um, and that's that's a pretty decent return on picking this guy up who was a free agent. You know, um, but it also speaks to the we've talked about it before, but it speaks to the Rams kind of more overarching philosophy with how they assemble that roster. Von Miller is starting is playing pretty damn well at the moment too. It's it's those experienced veterans that they've got coming in for this playoff run that are kind of showing up at the moment, and that's why I think that they're they're pretty they're very good live underdogs in this game against you know against the Buccaneers. Like you do have to stress as well that you know Brady is now uh, after last week he's now twenty one and four in home playoff games and that's just a daunting thing to try and overcome even just mentally just to get over the fact that you're, you're playing Tom Brady on the road. Um, but I think there's something about this Rams team and the way McVeigh's got them playing at the moment, even though they have lost their record of, you know, winning at halftime and then losing a game. I still think that, uh, that this could, this is, there's room for an upset here, particularly against the Buccaneers team who are kind of beaten up at the moment. Like I think, uh, is 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 Werps going to be back? Is he playing? That's a bit, if they don't have. Tristan we don't Ruff, know. That's yeah, but that's Von Miller. Yeah, Von Miller's probably got one eye on the injury. Exactly. Report, like if he's know. not playing at right tackle, that's that could be a big thing that will, will affect how Brady plays the entire game potentially. So I think yeah, there's a lot of question marks about this game. But you know, if to, if you're going to beat Tampa Bay, you have to stop them putting up yards in the air, and we'll see if the the Rams secondary. Yeah. Can do that. One of one of the other interesting things is that uh, in general. It, you're more effective playing man-to-man against Brady than zone um, because in man-to-man, he then has to try to find the mismatch um, where in zone, he just looks at the zone and he knows where he's going to go. Cause he can, he can see where they're, you know, where his receivers will find the weak spot. And th- with Jalen Ramsey there, they actually have a guy that they could put on Mike Evans man-to-man and then make Brady, you know, look for the rest of his receivers, which is going to make life difficult for him. So it's almost as if, um, you know, forget Odell Beckham, although you can include him if you want, but those new additions are kind of the key to the game for the Rams. Can Von Miller pressure Brady, um, which he did remember when in Denver in that playoff game where Denver won 22-20, I think, um, 
you know, can um, can Jalen Ramsey take Mike, Mike Evans out of the game? Um, and can Odell Beckham be that second receiver they need? You know, to, um, so because if you then concentrate on Beckham, he goes back to Cooper Cup, which he did, mm-hmm. you know, in, at the end of the game. Cup didn't really wasn't really that much of a factor in the um, in the first three quarters of the game or the you know the first uh, forty minutes of the game, but you know he did a nice job blocking though. Is it just easier, I suppose, for teams like the Rams to understand? or to have a better gauge on the threats of the Tampa Bay team because they've lost Antonio Brown, because they've lost Chris Godwin, players like this. It's, you know, Mike, we're, we both just talked about Mike Evans. He's clearly, he's, he's going to be the guy in this game. And I mean, if we know that, Los Angeles know this as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be Cyril Grayson. Um, mm. But I think he's still out with a hamstring though. Um, you know, anyway, but, <clears throat> but that's the problem. Brady visibly was trying to increase his circle of trust with receivers by, by repeatedly throwing to Johnson, you know, and, and I thought there was a great, um, it was Troy Aikman who did a great job of explaining why Brady and Johnson didn't connect on the first pass he threw to them. And then if you watched it, Johnson didn't really change, but it looked like Brady more or less adjusted to the idea that Johnson would be just a step slow out of his break. Um, Cause he, as Brady, he throttles down, as, as Aikman said, and then he was putting the ball in there. But that's that's got to be important because he can't keep going to Gronk. Um, you know, there, there's no way that, you, that Gronk can carry a team um, for a whole game. He's just, you know, mm. he's too he's too creaky, basically. Okay, um, let's wrap it up with picks. Come on, come on. We're talking around. Come we got on. one more game, don't we? Oh, oh we, for got, this we game. got one more yeah. game. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I want your pick for this game. Um. Uh... I'll take rounds of the points on this one. I just have a feeling about this game. Okay. Mike? My faith in Sean McVay disappeared after the Niners came back and beat them when they were down at the half. Because remember, McVay, McVay had never lost a game where, the, where well, they let it halftime. That's a great point. Because obviously Cardinals... Had a had a bit of a mind melt at QB, <laughs> and like he hopped one up for people to catch when he should have just took safety. But and that was the play after the AJ Green pass. You know, if yeah. if, if, the, if they give AJ Green that catch, that play doesn't happen. And 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 think put it this way: we always talk about how the Rams like to lead from the front. They played the Cardinals. They took a lead. They doubled that lead, fourteen nil, twenty one. Like they everything went right for the Rams in Week One. So I'm not trying to say that should come into the factor for you, Mike, as you. Tell tantalizingly holds no, I mean, this for is, what the pick shall be. Tell yeah, us, it's, Michael. It, it's it's I really last week wanted to do halftime full time with the Rams and the, the Cardinals, but I drove myself crazy trying to figure out what was the most likely scenario. And the same thing kind of applies here. I kind of like Tampa at, at halftime and the and the Rams to win. Um and all of the Brady haters around America will, will then re- rejoice. Um but we That's haven't even seven mentioned to one, by the way. What um, have that halftime full full time? Tampa halftime Rams full time would be seven seven to one. to one. That's not not too bad. But we haven't mentioned Matt Stafford, and I'm not convinced that I still have you know that I have enough faith in Matt Stafford to, to, to do that. They they he didn't first have you to... went after Jimmy G. Now you're now going that. after Stafford. <laughs> Who's next? My mother. <laughs> Is she playing quarterback for the Bills? She could. She's got the shoulders. No. Um, Rams, on, the Rams with the three is is, is tempting, um, and this is this is a game. This is the only game where I would really consider going over. Okay, forty eight. Right. Okay, God, I've been to dinner with you, and you've made your choices quicker than that. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, there weren't many options where you joined where you took me. <laughs> uh, half 11 on Sunday is, well, it's as Mike said, it's the glamour tie. It's the one with the lowest uh, spread. It's the Buffalo Bills heading to the Kansas City Chiefs. 11 to 10 about the Bills. The KC Chiefs are three to four. One and a half points is spread 54.5. We're expecting quite the game, it would seem, over at Arrowhead. Guys, look, both of these teams have, have kind of come into form at exactly the right time. Obviously, Bills gave the Patriots a bit of a whooping. KC came through and and destroyed the Steelers, really. Uh, Both of them finished the season quite well after having sticky periods. KC at the start, Bills in the middle. It's it's quite the setup, Mike, for what should be a really exciting game. Yeah, and and remember, the Bills won in week five um, in a weird kind of game. There was a lot of offense um, 
800 and some odd yards of, oh, yeah. of offense between the two teams and a lot of penalties. Carl Cheffers was in, in top form that <laughs> um, the bills had a hundred yards and penalties and, and um, the chiefs had, had, I think seven penalties themselves. There were 17 penalties in that game. Um, that won't happen this time. The thing that I like about the bills in this game is that <clears throat> their defense is basically constructed naturally to be able to, keep the chiefs in check in other words we talk about you know teams playing too deep um safety to to stop tyreek hill from beating them deep um to and then controlling the middle so that uh, kelsey and hill can't beat them on on crossing routes that's what the bills play all the time that, that's their base defense you know they they basically sit in in a four two nickel and and play too deep t- deep safeties <clears throat> so they're constructed to do that and they've got two really good safeties, as we saw last week when Micah Hyde changed the whole game with, with basically the play of the weekend, maybe the play of the season, one of the greatest interceptions I've ever seen. Um, you know, Mac Jones had that ball on target, a better quarterback with more a quarterback with a little more arm might have led Aguilar, but Jones had the ball to Aguilar. Um, that was the and, game as well. That's funny you should enter. That it is, was the game. The game that's I'm, all you need to watch because if that goes in, it's a different ball game. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sitting there watching the ball in the air and I'm going, okay, 7-7, seven, seven, we've got a yeah. ball game now. Yeah, this, is gonna be, this is going to be good. And, and then Hyde makes this incredibly great play. And, um, I, you know, almost you can almost see all the air go out of the Patriots' tires. Um, and that, that was it. So, you know, so Buffalo's well-constructed to stop Kansas City. But what I've liked about the Chiefs in the last few weeks is that they they got away from depending on that hill and kelsey mm. one two and went to other things which then brought them both back into the game as it were as teams had to stop yeah you know, had to start thinking about the run game the chiefs offensive line is a good run blocking line now um i think that that's going to be a factor and mahomes i think will be settled down by now you know, he it's he still looks as if he wants he wants the old school, the old style Chiefs team to be the, the focus of the play. And they've sort of changed and he's doing that and, he, and he's doing it well. But, you know, and then the other way around, the, the, the key for the Bills is basically. And I said this last week with the Patriots and they couldn't do it. You have to keep Josh Allen in the pocket. Um, the Bills make it tough for you because they run him on designed runs, which are basically old 1940s single wing football um and he's very good at it he's you know he's big um he's mobile and he can throw on the run but if you keep him in the pocket his big strong arm sometimes becomes erratic erratic. he's actually more accurate throwing on the run than he is sitting in the pocket and having time to think about it which is which is kind of strange so that that to me is the key is the key to this game um and new england was unable to do that um and I don't know if if Kansas City actually can do that, um, but they're going to have to if they're going to beat the Bills. Take us home, John. If if Josh Allen is the key from the Bills' perspective, you know, look at Mahomes from Kansas Kansas City's perspective because when they played earlier in the season, the thirty eight twenty kind of upset win in Arrow in Arrowhead for the Bills, I guess uh, Mahomes threw three picks in that game. But that was kind of at a part of the season where Mahomes was quite inconsistent. We talked about it on the show quite a lot, actually. Like, what's I remember weeks like two, three, you know, or two through like six or seven. We, a lot of the focus of the show was like, what's going on in Kansas City? Is Mahomes lost it? Is he just regressing to sort of a mean average or something like this? But he, so he had 19 turnovers in his first nine games and just eight since. And I think that kind of speaks to what Mike was talking about, how they've sort of developed the offense into a slightly different machine than it was last year. But I, I think the, the thing that kind of, if, if those are two kind of separate offenses between last season and, and where they are at the moment, the one thing that they've maintained, at least of now, is putting points on the board. Like last season's AFC Championship game between these two teams was 38-24. The game earlier in the season was 38-20. So, I mean, it's hard to look any other way than seeing this being another kind of, not necessarily like, you know, everyone scores with every possession they have type of deal. But I think just these, both of these quarterbacks are so potent that they should be able to with the opposition's defense from time to time enough where the, uh, you'll start to seriously look at the over in this one, which is 54 and a half, which is, I think that's probably the biggest this week. Of oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that, that that's very much in play. 
Um, but just from you know a winner's perspective, who's going through? I love this Bills team. They're playing really, really well at the moment. They've won five in a row, five and a half games. If you actually talk about the second half of the of the game against the Bucks in the start of December, which I know you can't, but you can kind of think about it that way, I suppose. But I think you know, just looking at the law of averages, two wins in a season in Arrowhead against this Chiefs team is a is a lot to ask. So I just think um, I think Kansas City to win. Uh, I'd go with the Chiefs with the points if I was going that way, but I just kind of like the over in this one. Okay, so, um, well, keep an eye on that because going with the Chiefs, um, do you say go with the Chiefs with the points, sorry? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, minus yeah. one and a half, yeah. Keep an eye on that, listeners. Just keep an eye on that. That could be anything by the time they, they kick off. Is that one and a half now, is it? It's at one it's and a one half. And a half. Yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was two and a half this time yesterday. Do we have uh, a bet on the on the three Irish coaches winning? The three Irish coaches? Shanahan, McDermott, and McVeigh. I am so happy we've only two episodes left. (laughs) After this, I'm so happy. Uh, um, John, if you're on KC, Mike, you kind of scooted around. I think I take Kansas City in the end. um, I thought you were going to go Bills. In this game at home. I mean, you know, um, I look at the week five game and I just think that's not going to happen again. The other thing that really interests me, though, um, Buffalo's a fast defensive team uh, and New England – New England were not fast <laughs> and New England are not fast defensively. Kansas City's kind of on the borderline there. Um, they've got the run stuffers in and that's going to be a real um, a real test for their linebackers. But the two guys who excite me in this game are Jarek McKinnon, who's finally healthy after what, three years of, you know, not being so. Um, and Isaiah McKenzie. And, you know, McKenzie had his two biggest games of the season against the Patriots. And, you know, in the in the first game, they just threw to him underneath and he beat everybody. And then um, he did everything um, last week. I, I, I'd like I, I'm wondering which of those two guys I think McKen- McKinnon might be the number one runner for Kansas City this week. And I think McKenzie could be the the key threat because you, you you concentrate on taking Stefan Diggs away and you're aware of Knox and you're aware of Davis. But McKenzie can kill you coming out of the slot, coming out of the backfield. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so basically, we, we fancy the Fabs in every game, Bar. Both of you are kind of leaning towards the Rams against the Bucks. Um, anyone yeah. else? This used to be the easiest week to pick because you'd have four teams that, that were all at home coming off a bye, you know, the, the number one and two seeds. And I think your home winning percentage in the NFL is around 54, I think. Uh, I haven't checked on this season whether that changed. It changed. It went down last year, but there were no crowds last year in a lot of the games. So that that was kind of a. But but the winning percentage was over sixty in 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 the divisional round when when the the four buy teams came in. So you know I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with the top seeds sticking with the home. Um, I'm pretty happy with Kansas City. Tampa or the Rams, I think, is the one that I think is the most in play. Strangely enough despite Buffalo kind of being the better, the best of the, I think of the four road teams this week. Okay. I'll give you a moment to think about your best bets, John. You didn't have a winner. So you'll be last Uh, Mike. (laughs) You will be after me. Yeah. I'm going on. I'm going under, I'm going under (laughs) the Tennessee Cincinnati game. Listeners, you heard me say, Mike, you'll go after me. But anyway, <laughs> just decided. it's smart. Everyone, it's smart to get your pick in first. Unless, so someone I else doesn't need to do it. I cannot believe you just did that. I thought it was a brilliant piece of on-air comedy. Yeah. Oh, what For the, the record, I'm going Packers 49ers under as well. Oh, what the hell? What the hell? Okay, what's what's your pick? What's your pick, Kieran? Kieran you've got two choices. You know, I don't, I don't. Sorry, did we get that, producers? Did we get that? Sorry, there was a problem with the mics, so we're gonna have to start from the top. Problem um, with one mic, at least, here. Um, okay, sorry. Repeat Good one, John. Them, repeat them. Uh, let's repeat them there in case people. Mike, what yeah. did you go under for? forty-seven? Cincinnati and Tennessee. And John, it was the under. Uh, I'd have to look up. It's the under in the 49ers Packers game, which is forty-seven and a half. There you go. Um, I'm going to go Green Bay Packers minus six. I'll take the spread uh, for the game. Um, I'm tempted by Tampa. I think you guys are wrong, but look, we'll find out who's right. I think Tampa will win. Um, we'll find out next week. We can have a chat about that. Hopefully, no one does what poor old Dallas did to me. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go Green Bay Packers. I, I think they're. I think they'll. I think they'll be licking their lips at some of the ways 49ers uh, played on the, during the second half. 49ers come out and play like they did in the first half. Could be. It could be a very close game if they don't. 
it's going to be a, a hard night. Uh, a reminder, of course, about daily rewards on the Betfair Sportsbook. When you bet £20 worth of multiples or bet builders on the NFL, you get a £5 free bet. £20 worth of multiples or bet builders on the NFL, £5 free bet. And a lot of you will be doing those bet builders, of course, on those games because you can back the match betting, you can back the spread, you can back total points, you can back first touchdown, anytime touchdown, lots, lots of different ways you can do that. And a reminder, of course, to please do gamble responsibly over the weekend and every single weekend and whenever. Uh, you do open the sportsbook or the exchange. Please do gamble responsibly. That's it from us. We'll be back next week, where of course we'll be trying to decide who's heading to the Super Bowl, and then back in about two weeks' time to discuss the Super Bowl and give the results of the best bets, um, which is not going to work out well for John. Uh, my- <laughs> you know, every year I've, I've been because I pick I pick the game all the games straight up uh, every year, and and before the last two years I had, I did it in columns. Um, but every year by my, my um, playoff picks are never as good. Obviously they're tougher games to pick because you, you have two good teams in there, but I always look at it. These three weeks are the three weeks of overthinking. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have, you don't have 16 games or 14 games or whatever, you know, a normal week, a normal week shows you. So you, you just sit there and you think, and you think, and you go, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about that? And whereas most of the time you look at it and say, okay, that's, they're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win. You know? Well, um, you're the, you're the, you're the guys that aren't backing Brady at home. So. You know, I didn't say I wasn't maybe, backing him. You, well, well, you said that's where the upset could come. And I think all of you went in the rounds <laughs> with the spread. We should look, we'll speak about it next week. I thought I was, blissfully ambiguous <laughs> that's not that's not the name of the show ambiguous only better. <laughs> uh, thank you to mike carson for joining me today thank you for to john bob for also joining me today and thank you for listening uh say goodbye mike carson goodbye mike carlson say goodbye john bob goodbye john bob we'll speak to you all next week bye for now <laughs> <laughs>